0: I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. So this week, I'm going to do a Q&A, kind of run down some comments that people have made, and then also get some listener questions. Next week is the first week in May, and so we get to celebrate Borderline Personality Disorder Awareness Month to start to combat some of that negative stigma, which is exciting. Okay, so comment number one, I've been told a few times now that I lack self-awareness, and to be honest, I'm struggling with this. Okay totally fair comment. When I was told that I lacked depth or that I lacked self-awareness, I had a very difficult time wrapping my mind around that because after all, I thought I was really self-aware. I mean, all I thought about was myself and all I thought about were my emotions. You know, I'm laughing because it's true. Like I really believed that I was self-aware. And when you, until you actually are self-aware, it's very hard to understand this lack of self-awareness. So I find that you know, first of all, when you hear a phrase and, or, or something that you do that you know you do because you trust the diagnosis, because you believe that, that you have it, or you trust the, that the person that's telling you about your dysfunction is telling you the truth, and you're like still not able to wrap your mind around it, what I want you to understand is that you just might not get it yet. Repetition. I've said this before. <laughs> I've repeated this before. That's funny that it's necessary in recovery because this is all new, so you have to learn and understand that learning takes time, and oftentimes generalizing a learned skill to different relationships, different situations, different stages of life is difficult, and may require other a whole other level of work, right? Of self awareness and and growth. So. The answer to that question is maybe if you're feeling like you are really self-aware, which is what I used to think about myself, that you're very aware of the emotions that you feel and the story that your emotions are telling you. That's not the same thing as self-awareness. In order to be self-aware, you'd have to be able to look at the big picture of your life, of um, being able to see yourself and your character as stable across time, given your own history and experiences, You'd also have to be able to understand the people in, that you're in relationship with and their history and experiences and have uh, see yourself in their shoes and then see how your behavior influences the people that you're in relationship with and really be able to have honest self-reflection and accept 100%, we'll call it extreme responsibility for your behaviors. Unfortunately, self-awareness is kind of like the whole empathy debate, right? I've you know answered this question so many times because people have a hard time you know, understanding like if I have BPD, I'm so empathetic, right? Like I feel everything. I feel the feelings of other people. That's what people say. And I used to think that as well. But here's the thing. Empathy doesn't just mean feeling what other people feel. And allowing those feelings to permeate your personal space, let's say, to permeate your boundaries and then you're carrying their trauma. Empathy is being, being able to understand where a person is coming from, to see yourself in their shoes, given their life experiences. Those are very different things. And so self-awareness is the same thing. Unfortunately, by definition, having BPD means that there are deficits in empathy. In addition to that, it also means that there is a lack of self-awareness. The goal of recovery, the goal of coaching or therapy in the recovery process is to integrate the individual's sense of self, which helps them develop their identity, right? So if sometimes you see yourself as all good and sometimes you see yourself as all bad, then you are not yet able to integrate this your sense of self and to have that level of self-awareness to take responsibility for your behaviors. Oftentimes there's a defiance that occurs, when the person with BPD is kind of growing and changing and learning, oh my gosh, I did those things and, and having that shame. And so that's also something that contributes to, um, yeah, to a uh, lack of self-awareness. So hopefully that helps understand or helps you begin to wrap your mind around this concept. I, again, just want to reiterate, you have to remember here that these concepts are difficult to understand because You are trying the best you can with what you have. So you not understanding that or you not knowing or believing it, what have you, but you have other people telling you that, let that at least be a sign to you that something's off, right? That something is off, that you're you're missing information and think of it as missing information so that you can find the information that you're missing. Resist the urge to create that shame story or seek out support in order to prevent yourself from going in that direction because in order to uh, become more self-aware, there is a level of studying involved. Awesome. All right. So we have the next question. We have, can someone please tell me what is going on to, or what is going to help with my irritability and quote-unquote attitude that are so automatic and impulsive? I'm straight up tired of being like this, and I know I struggle with emotion regulation, but that takes so long to rewire, and my boyfriend is fed up now. And I just wish there was something to help me just stop. I feel ya. It is hard, especially when you're trying to figure it all out, maybe on your own, maybe with therapy once a week. It's difficult, for sure. Understand that if you want help now and you want it to stop, that one, that might be an unrealistic expectation because everything that requires new learning requires a process of succeeding and failing and succeeding and failing. If I'm brand new at something and I just succeed at it, I would want you to question whether or not I'm brand new because the definition of being brand new means you're not going to be very good at it. So if that is something that troubles you, perhaps you want to think about not taking, not breaking up with, not moving into a different area of the world or anything like that, but taking space. From your partner. And so taking space could mean seeing them less frequently throughout the week, seeing them once a week. And understanding that if you make those changes, although painful at first, seemingly painful, that the changes that you make will actually set you up to succeed because you can have that time to start to build habits and preventative care measure measures and good day formulas and character building exercises and moral compass work and work on those things every single day. And in doing that and learning to master your emotion regulation, you'll be so self-aware that when you become irritable or catch an attitude, you could take a break, right? If you catch an attitude, you should take a break. So if you're not at the point where you can say, okay, you know what? I love you more than I love my dude. I love you more than I love being right. Then it's not going to stop. So you really have to be there because love is self-sacrificial. Whether we want it to be or not, it is because love is a two-way street. So if you want a relationship that's very much loving and supportive and safe, you have to at some point sacrifice. Whether you believe you should or not is irrelevant. You need to. So I want you to understand that 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 self-sacrificial bit for you might be saying, hey, you know what, I am irritable today and I don't know why, but I want to preserve our relationship, so I'm going to go in and do me today. I'm going to have my good day formula. I'm going to look for, at my bad day formula. I'm going to use my DBT skills, my CBT skills. I'm going to do whatever I can to knock it off and not hurt you with my big emotions, change my physical state, etc." And doing that consistently, having someone there with you as an accountability partner, having a therapist, a coach, what, what have you, all of those things will make you, will help you, excuse me, get from point A to point B faster. At the basis of this is understanding in a real, honest, and self-aware way how your behaviors impact the people around you and choosing whether or not, You want to represent yourself in the world as someone who behaves that way. And if not, understanding that you have to shed the skin of that person, not compromise your whole self. For those of you that struggle with identity development, when I say shed the skin of the old you, I am talking about the negative behaviors. I had a session today and there was a stink bug above me, like literally on the wall above or the ceiling, excuse me, above my head. So I'm looking at the stink bug. I'm not afraid of stink bugs, but I really don't like the way that they, if you don't know what a stink bug is, you want to look it up. They do this swirling descent, and I just don't like that. The sound, they, the buzzing if it lands on you, and then I'm flailing, and I'm in a session, right? I have a point, I promise. So <laughs> I'm, I kept moving my chair to the left or to the right, Right. All the while like doing my best to make this person understand that I'm focused. Be I don't want to get up and kill this stink bug. And it just ended up being a funny joke. Right. Okay, what's the point? Is that that part of me, that's not going anywhere. When I shed my old skin, I shed the skin of the person who's gonna key up someone's car or talk like I was and never do it. Right. Cause that I'm that's not a thing. I was really young maybe I did I would do stuff like that but not in my 30s now right It's dysfunctional But like scooting my chair around because I'm thinking I'm anticipating the descent of a stink bug is part of my personality right So I mean it's it's important that you don't use that as an excuse Right? Don't use that as an excuse that you don't want to shed your old skin and use preventative care measures or can be consistent because you don't want to lose the parts of you that you love. That's ridiculous. You can choose not to lose the parts of you that you love. If you can't understand that right now because self-discipline and adherence to a moral code, a code of morals and values, is too foreign to you, I get that. I get it. But at some point, you have to trust the process. So if you've been listening so far and you're having a hard time with that, but you understand my advice and you've used it so you trust me enough, trust me on this one. Try it out. Seek support. You can reach out to us, right? SkeeterStrength.com coaching. All right, cool. So consistency, a plan, moral compass, space. Those are some, some tips, some quick tips to... Prevent the dissolution of your relationship. All right, comment number three. I need advice or help, or at least things explained in a way a BPD brain can understand. I am struggling with feelings of worthlessness, not feeling good enough, and feeling that I am the problem and mess things up constantly. Side note, I'm in recovery. I have a wonderful man I love to pieces who is patient and kind and helps me with all of this. He has a daughter that I adore and yearn to be with and watch grow up. I'm building my career up. I feel like I've actually reached a living and not being in survival mode at 30 years old for the first time in my life. Okay. So, this individual struggles with feelings of worthlessness, not feeling good enough, and feeling that they are the problem and mess things up constantly, yet also has this wonderful life. The more I stabilize my life and relationships, the more feelings, these feelings come up and make me feel like I need to leave it all because they deserve better than me. There's more tantrums and attempts to sabotage, and hurting him is killing me. People say, stop, you can't believe that, it's not true. But the problem is that I do truly believe that, in all caps, and IDK how to stop. The advice of just don't think like that seems stupid and frivolous. What do you mean you don't think like that? That's like telling yourself you don't love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups when you legit actually do. Okay? That's like telling yourself you don't love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups when you legit actually do. Hmm. Okay. I I get where you're coming from with that. I get it. I do. But then I think, that's not like that at all. (laughs) That's not the same. Okay, this is a great question. I love that you asked this question so much. So let me break it down for you. When I read your question and then I reread it or your comment, first of all, like what I do is I just, I'm just looking for the truth, period. That's what I do. And when I'm talking on these episodes, my intention is to give the truth because we are a people who have been hurt, who have been traumatized, exploited, abused, manipulated, controlled, and we have done the same back. Because having mental illness is a scary thing. Being a little kid with parents who don't know how to parent your emotions is a scary thing. That's valid, and that is real. Yeah, and it sucks. It does. So, truth... Is the way out of that? That's what I learned. You know, like what's the secret? It's just truth. You know, I. Don't, it's just truth, very simply. And so, you know, I'm I'm reading through your thing, and I'm like, okay, wait a second. So you wake up and you feel worthless, you're not good enough, and that you're the problem and mess things up constantly. And then I'm reading your recovery, quote unquote, right? So you have a wonderful man you love to pieces. He's patient, kind, and helps you. Okay, awesome, right? But you don't love, it must, do you, so there's something about that though that's confusing to me because I think, okay, do you love him to pieces or do you struggle with love and constancy, the constancy and permanency of love? You say he has a daughter that you adore and yearn to be with and watch grow up, so why, does the, why do these paragraphs about your life have so much hyperbole in them? What do you mean you yearn to be with and adore and want to watch this daughter grow up? What's going on with that? So I wonder, like, if you adore and yearn to be with, are you having insecure feelings about being this mother figure in this girl's life? What's up with that? I'm building my career up. That's awesome. It sounds like, though, it's been really a struggle, but it says that you've actually reached a living. That's awesome, right? So you overcame. So the story of the life that you're telling me isn't the life that you're connected to on a day-to-day basis. That's where I'm not finding the truth. I don't know enough to make assessments or assumptions or whatever. I don't. So I can make theories. But here's, I'm just going to take a little stab at this, right? If you feel like you're worthless and not good enough and that you're the problem and you mess things up constantly, how can it be true in the same breath that you have a man you love to pieces, a daughter you yearn to be with, and you are so capable and confident that you built your life up so you're not living paycheck to paycheck? How is that possible? Because those two people cannot coexist. Someone who is worthless doesn't love a man to pieces and want to be the mother of his daughter. That's not a thing, because if you look in the mirror and you believe you're worthless, then that story also tells you that you're not a good person, that you shouldn't be around these people, that they don't love you, that you're not loved and valued, but your story tells me that you are loved and valued and that you know you're loved and valued. So right there, living in that kind of chaos where one day you wake up and those old feelings come up of those stories from feeling sad or feeling off or what have you, and not being comfortable in the space of unconditional love, and not being able to mentalize, look at the big picture of the people you're with, come up. And you're worthless that day. But the next day, maybe the sun's shining and the wind blows and someone smiles at you and you're having a good time. And you love your life. The lack of truth, the lack of a true, consistent, and stabilized narrative in your self-identity, would lead you deeper and deeper into the place where you feel like you're not good enough and more and more held tight to the idea that that is true about yourself, that you are really not good enough, right? If I love Reese's peanut butter cups, that means I love peanut butter and I love chocolate and that's how that goes, bam. I love peanut butter, I love chocolate, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. And I'm not going to say that I don't love Reese's peanut butter cups because I love peanuts and I love chocolate and peanut butter. And so those things are factual. If you give me any peanut butter, I am likely really going to like it. I love peanut butter. No, it's not paleo. Yes, I still love it. Chocolate, same thing. Because there's facts there. But you're telling me that you are able to find a man that loves you, who has a daughter who you love and yearn to be with. And then you're telling me that you're worthless and not good enough. And people walk around, they say, that's just not true. And you're like that. What are you talking about? That's like me saying that I don't like greasy peanut butter cups. Listen to yourself. Understand that recovery requires self-awareness. And if there is evidence that points to the fact that you are a person who is loved and valued, that you have overcome a hard work life, how are you worthless? So remember a couple of episodes ago, I said, hey, check the facts. If there's not facts for you to believe something, are you just going to blindly believe it? So now maybe you start creating facts. Well, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Okay, we can pick at little details of someone's life and eat away at them and be tyrannical and bully them so they can believe that all all they've ever done in the last 15 years is make mistakes. But again, I don't think that you can convince yourself or anyone around you that you've only made mistakes for the last 15 years. So it's very different than just saying you don't like peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, again, that kind of language, the inconsistencies, those are the things that I want you guys to look out for. If on Monday you're shaming your partner because they don't value and respect somebody's time and they show up late to an event that's very important to you. If that happens, but then on Wednesday you're 20 minutes late for, you know, your partner's brother's party. And you're like, oh, it's no big deal, I was at work. You know, those little things, they seem subtle and not a big deal, but they're a big deal. Because what you're looking for is to be the same person day in and day out. And you need to look for truth. If I were you, in order to answer my question, I just wouldn't be trivializing the feelings of worthlessness, which come from deep internalized childhood shame to receive peanut butter cups. would really figure out whether or not your story is true and understand that if you want to stop hurting him, he loves the part of you that is beautiful. So if you wake up trying to convince him that you're worthless by using an argument about an innocent peanut butter cup, you're going to push him away. How can you love someone that hates themselves because they also want you to hate them because they don't want you to love the person they fell in love with? Look for truth. It'll go a long way. All right, so I'm going to address this question briefly and then, you know, probably elaborate in another episode because it's a great one and it comes up a lot. Does anyone have any super secret tips for forgiveness? I have done so much with my recovery, just can't get past a few things, things done and said to me, let's say in the way of a narcissist. Do you truly find peace in the fact that they just don't have the ability for some things? Okay, forgiveness. So if I'm going to forgive someone, I have to first understand that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. I don't just mean saying that, right? That's a DBT assumption, right? where all people are doing the best they can with what they have and they could do better, something like that. I believe that. I don't know about the do better part. I think it depends on their their readiness, their willingness, right, and whether they're able, sure. So if all people are doing the best they can with what they have and all people make mistakes, because that's pretty common, right, like I think you can get on board with that. Everyone makes mistakes. I've said things to people that I'm sure there are people out there that I've encountered that obsess or perseverate over what I say. I'm sure there's something that I've said on the podcast that a BPD brain will latch onto detail wise and play it over and over. And maybe it's something that I don't even place any weight in because I say a lot of things, right? So, what does that mean? Well, I would really hope that that person out there would forgive me in the same way that I would hope that you would seek forgiveness for something that it is that you did. But first, you have to understand that people make mistakes. And that having unrealistic expectations for people or being in relationships where you're not your best self also has you a part of whatever forgiveness scenario you're speaking on. So, one, forgiveness is a choice. There's no super secret tips. It's you either choose to forgive or you don't. Period. People put so much stock in this idea of gray area. Right. Yeah. Gray area is important when we're talking about black and white thinking. But, you know, I'll say it again. Like some things in life are black and white, like the truth. If you're going to give me truth with gray area, I don't want it. I don't. If I make a mistake, I say I make a mistake and I make mistakes. (laughs) And sometimes I do something that doesn't align with my moral compass. And then I have to apologize, get back on track and make it right. Because everybody makes mistakes, yeah? And my hope is that forgiveness is freely given to me. Because I am going to freely give forgiveness. Because it's a choice. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to allow people to continue to come into my circle and hurt me. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to forget what they did. Forgiveness doesn't mean any of that. It means I'm going to choose not to punish them anymore. I want to be in a relationship with them. I respect the human struggle. And I get it. You're narcissist or not. Okay, whatever. doesn't matter what term you are. That's another thing, you know, I really want to address that in uh, BPD Awareness Month, honestly, because the whole narcissistic term thrown out there, like it's it's hard because knowing what I know about the BPD brain The similarities and the deficits in empathy there, they're kind of jarring. So we need to be careful when we start throwing daggers. Right? Careful when we throw daggers. Regardless, though, yeah, I mean, the other question was, do you truly find peace in the fact that they just don't have the ability for some things? I do. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I do. Because if myself, if I, you know, years ago... Didn't understand that I was not a logical person. If I didn't understand why, if I hadn't recovered, I would have made a terrible clinician. If I didn't understand that my behaviors directly impact the behaviors of my son that they did when he was younger. That my impulsive decisions impacted things and hurt the people around me. But I do now. So much so. So much so that I live my life by a moral code. Then, yeah, I believe that there are people who do things and they have zero idea that they're doing the thing that they're doing. I do believe that because I had no idea. I can put myself in their shoes and so can a lot of you and maybe you yourself who's asking the question. Have you ever done something before you knew better? Did you deserve forgiveness because you didn't know better? Now, yeah, we have to make the case for whether or not knowing better is a thing, right? Maybe we're born with knowing right and wrong, good and evil. That's a whole other discussion. But if somebody said something to you or did something to you and you're taking that on as an attack on your character and they're not capable of seeing the world the way you see the world and you're going to hold on to being unforgiving of them, I don't know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think it's a scary thing to forgive other people. And like I said, you know, I'll keep this one brief-ish, five minutes and 35 seconds in. But yeah, you know, me personally, I absolutely do find. I do find peace in that, absolutely. You know, that's not my initial reaction when somebody has done something to me and it's just crazy. Like when their reality is completely off a base, right? Like, I mean, just there are people back in the East on the East Coast whose reality about my life is completely off base. They just don't get it. So, the initial reaction for me is just confusion and frustration. Yeah, for sure. I'm human, so I have emotional reactions that are valid. It's confusing and it's frustrating. But A lack of forgiveness is not the end result there. It's confusion, it's frustration, and then I need to really think and understand why they have that perspective. And I have to ask myself, does that perspective serve them? And it does. And then I forgive them because it's the right thing to do, because I don't want to hold on to emotion. That was something that I used to do and it didn't serve me, and because they don't know. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea the gravity and the weight of what they've done. Okay? So on that note, let's stay tuned next week for the first episode in the month of May from Borderline to Beautiful. Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening, that was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Skeeters Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at SkeetersStrength.com. If you like this show, remember you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So... If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful. Hope and help for individuals with BPD. I'm